This is Grilled, the Staff Canteen podcast for chefs. My name is Cara Houchin, editor of the Staff Canteen, and in this episode we speak to Alan Patton. Our deputy editor, Tani Dawn Hiscox, caught up with Alan to discuss plant-based alternatives. He believes chefs need to adapt and accommodate people's vegetarian lifestyle choice, but he draws the line at vegan burgers with beetroot juice for blood. Well, um, I, I just wanted to talk to you about, so I'm writing a feature about uh, the reduction in meat consumption in the UK and the rise of lots of sort of food trends involving plant-based products like vegan cheese and stuff like that. How um, the restaurant world and chefs should react to that and whether they should be embracing these trends or whether there's reason that uh, restaurants are slightly reluctant to, to take these things on board. I did, uh, I did a Mr. Shopper visit. Uh, for a hotel two days ago and speaking to the general manager, the ops manager and one of the other managers, each time uh, a different kind of request went into the kitchen, it was just met with a sort of derisory, you know, oh, what the fuck now have we got to do that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. So the attitude in that kitchen, personally from my point of view, is, is just wrong, you know, because every, every pound that you know, money's tight now. The customer can go over the want. Any pound that any hotel, restaurant, bar, whatever can make, doesn't matter what channel they have to take it through, they have to, they have to grab it with both hands because as far as that kitchen's concerned, any, any money that comes in, that could be a pay rise, it could be a piece of equipment, it could be a better floor, it could be ventilation, it could be anything. So when they get to the point where, and this is fact, but the sales team and the front of the house team are actually too nervous to ask the chef to do something out with the, the menu remit. You know, the customers lose the experience. The hotel is, or the restaurant is losing kudos, and they just won't come back. One, one thing, I, I mean, I passed every hotel, restaurant, kitchen that I've ever kind of worked in and ran myself as well, is that if we've got the ingredients, and sometimes if the customer's willing to wait that little bit extra, then it's only a yes. You know, it's only going to be a yes because the vegan, despite the fact that I'm obviously very, very pro-meat, <laughs> you can yeah. take that from the, from the Twitter icon <laughs> as well, is that, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I'll, I'll, I'll experiment with things and I'll learn from other chefs and, and, and all that as well because you'd be a fool if you didn't. Because if you don't, you're going to curtail your own sort of job prospects and opportunities as well. Because I've gone for a few interviews recently and I've been asked these questions, you know, give us a vegan dish off the top of your head, give us a vegetarian dish off the top of your head. Yeah. How would you do this if, if this happens? You know, yeah. and you have to, you've got to be adaptable. It's just, there's no other way. If you can compare it to sort of like, uh, I don't know, IT, cars, anything, you can't have chefs still stuck in the Simpsons and saying, no, I'm not cooking it. Fine, get yourself another job then. Because the customer wants it, there's money to be made there. And the, it's not like you it's not like just because they're not having the main protein. Places are still charging the same price as they would do for a chicken breast main course or a lamb or whatever whatever. You know, it's not like it's three or four pounds or five pounds a head cheaper per plate. Because they can see that the, the intent has gone into the, the plates that they're doing. So you have to you have to create dishes with that in mind, knowing that you're yeah. likely to have to adapt it. Yeah. So if I, if I, if I for instance, want to, if I want to do like a, a lamb, let's say we're going to have a lamb crumble as part of the garnish, which we actually are doing actually. Mm. So with that, I'll then have say, 
a time crumble going on to the vegetarian alternative because I want the I want the vegans, the vegans and the vegetarians on that table to be able to start taking a look at their plate, look at the other plates and go, oh, hang on a minute, I've got the same food. So they're getting yeah. the same experience, but yeah. just with, um, with maybe perhaps no dairy, no vegetarian. And what we have done in this respect is that we've done exactly as close to the same menu as we could, but just by substituting ingredients. So like uh, the dessert, we're doing this really, really nice jazzed up uh, rhubarb custards pavlova but the um, the vegans the vegetarians they get the same dish and yeah. it's easy it's easy just to swap in one for the other because if not I mean what are you going to do give them a fish with salad that's been sitting in the fridge since breakfast time no the, the amount of money in that market just now is ridiculous and if you're not willing to entertain that then well unless you're somewhere like I don't know what like you can go to Utopia, it's back to dark and expect a, you know, a pepper kebab or something, would you? Or halloumi cheese, you know. <laughs> if, if, if restaurants are meat focused and that's what they're doing, then it's their prerogative if they want to. You think, well, okay, they might have that. But then your strong-willed vegetarians and vegans probably wouldn't go in there expecting it. The, the, the one of the last interviews that I did, and they have found a rise is that when people go out in groups of four, six or eight, they're letting the person who's either vegan or vegetarian pick the restaurant because they know that they'll get the food that they want and the rest is just willing to happily follow because they know there's going to be meat and fish options there anyway. So as regards to the question of reluctancy, unless you are a completely 100% meat or fish focused restaurant and that is your business, that's your prerogative, I think the rest of them, which has got to be, what, 90 95%, you have to be built towards taking money out of that market. You'd be a fool if you didn't. But where do you draw the line? So you have, obviously, you have vegetarianism and veganism, but then you have raw diets, you have gluten-free diets, you have, you know, you have all sorts of different variants that customers now come in and expect to see on the menu. Where should chefs draw that line and just say, okay, these are the options that we have. This is what we can do. Hey, maybe it depends. If something comes up at the last minute, you know, you're already in sort of full tilt on say a Saturday night or Sunday lunch or whatever. You know, if something comes up at the last minute and you're not prepared for it, then you use discretion and offer the best options you possibly can. I mean, I think you'll very, you'll very, very rarely find um, a lot of flowers and sauces these days, like gravies and stuff, because. Uh, of all the other ingredients out there that are there, it can be a thickening agent, apart from obviously Bechamel, things like that. But mm-hmm. largely, like Sunday lunch, a lot of places now carry or make gluten-free Yorkshire puddings, or yeah. they make eggs, because one of my last jobs was a massive hotel, resort, golf course with nine function rooms, five restaurants and things like that. So instead of us making, okay, that's gluten-free, that's vegan, that's vegetarian, no, we adapted the alternatives to be completely allergen-free. So it didn't matter what allergy you had, we didn't have to make four different types of Yorkshire pudding or four different kinds of sticky toffee pudding. We made them to suit all. And it was able, we were then able to speed up all our services, all our function services. And yeah, I think it depends on your demographics to where you draw your own line, really. I think it works both ways as well is that when the person who's taking the booking on the restaurant side, they should be asking potentially the right questions 
to limit any last-minute surprises. But then, that, again, that works to raise the person who's making the booking should be aware that any of their party of any sort of like allergies and stuff. And do you think yeah. there's a point at which it's infringing on your ability to make the best quality food and to to, to you know to express your creativity in a way that's Oh, I, I I don't know about that because when, <laughs> give you an example, there's a there's a young Irish chef. He works in Killarney. His name is Chad Byrne, and yeah. I think he's just crossed into his thirties now. Now, when I worked with him in Dublin, I was oh god, twenty six, twenty seven. He was an apprentice, and then he spent the whole of January. He completely changed his whole diet because he wanted to see it from the other side. And he went completely vegan for the whole month. And what he was eating, he put on his menu as well. So he then developed his creativity into the menus. And I think that's the that's the pinch point. Is you, some chefs are going to shun away because they don't want to know because either they're scared or they lack the confidence or the skill or the ability or they've worked for chefs that say, don't worry about that, we'll worry about that on the night. And then it becomes the last minute thing and then the customer loses experience. If a customer loses experience, they don't come back. Simple as that. Or they come back because they enjoyed the service or because you know, the restaurant manager is really nice and they get a bottle of wine at the end of the night, whatever. But from what he did and his point of view, I take a lot from that. And I think a lot of chefs around sort of my age group, sort of like the late 30s into the 40s, we could learn quite a lot from some of these younger chefs coming through and looking at the ones that are uh, Magella, who does uh, Pavlova and Cream, she does these little workshops. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of 20-something, 30-something chefs going through there. And I think there's a, a certain age group. We should start be looking at the chefs coming through and going, do you know what, I'm going to try that as well. As we all know, this is the one job where there's, there's no, there's no stopgap. There's no point where we're going to say, I know it all. You don't, you never will. Somebody else is going to come through and, I don't know, take yogurt and turn that into something you never thought of doing before. So the thing that where the creativity side of it is, that depends on, on the chef, but also depends on how much time they've got, you know, how many staff they've got, how busy they are. There are so many uh, variables that have to be considered, which will then either stem or encourage creativity. I still love my meat, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still the same as well. I mean, I, I'm playing with vegetables as well in different ways and trying to do things because um, it's supposed to be sort of like highlighting this is the vegan part of the menu, this is the vegetarian part of the menu, it'll become obvious as you're reading the menu what is and what isn't. So I don't want them to feel separate or here's your menu. I want all the options in the one menu. And then you can still have the little VG down the bottom, or VE or however people are saying it now, to uh, denote what's vegan and what's vegetarian. And what and do you but, think, where do you, where do you stand on the... the um like alternative versions of things, so alternative milk, yeah, I, cheese, sausage, things like that. Do you think that I don't, those products should be like that, or should you be creating things that are not trying to replicate existing I think animal the, products? I think when it says such kind of vegan cheese, I think that's 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 a little bit more widely acceptable because they have to have there has to be one one words where there's a common description where they can go. Oh, that is okay. That's the version of that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. 
vegan burgers with beetroot juice for blood. What the hell is the point of that? <laughs> I don't I don't get why would any self respecting vegan or vegetarian want to try and experience what a meat eater is having when they've built their whole internal culinary ethos against it? Yeah. I don't understand that. I don't get that. Just like turkey bacon. What the fuck is turkey bacon? <laughs> You know, sorry, but it's just you know, I, I don't, I don't agree with vegan sausages and vegan burgers, vegan cheese, yes, because that's that's a straight uh, saying. Okay, there are no dairy products in this, but this is as close to cheese as you can get because that diet that's still important. It's just that we had to use all these different vegan spreads, and, and they taste absolutely horrific. <laughs> you know, these are all like the mid market and low market ingredients, but yeah. I do know that there are some people out there who are putting their heart and souls into creating something that is tasty and is a viable alternative. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a timing process. You know, some of the best cheese in this country, they weren't made overnight, it's taking time to mature and craft and, and things like that. No, no, vegan burgers, no, just no. Find a different name. In the 80s, it was called a, a bean burger. You know, that, that's easy. Okay, good. We've got that. So I suppose it's because have... they're made with different ingredients now, and a lot of the time it's, you know, something that's been created in a lab. So oh, what do you call that? Well, it's, it's the same stuff in pot and noodles. It's uh, textured vegetable protein. Yeah. You know, there's no meat in that. It's just like there's there's no prawn and prawn cocktail crisp. It's tomato and spice. It doesn't quite have the same selling value, though, does it? No, of course not. But mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think having. You know, a vegan burger or a veggie burger because, you know, I just, no. <laughs> and not what, not what we beat with just for blood. Give me a break. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Alan. No, no problem. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you have any comments, feel free to tweet us or comment on the post. Uh, we're making all of our interviews available to download. The next episode is with Mike Tweedy. He talks to us about seasonal ingredients and working with local suppliers and also how he goes about designing his menu. And finally, if you like what we do, whether it's our podcast or our videos or even our features, please head over to our Patreon page and support us there.